The Holy Gospel according to John, the 15th and 16th chapters. Jesus said, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Before I begin my sermon, just a few words of thanks. I thank you for all your kind words that began to flow after you heard that I was leaving Faith Lutheran to go with Debbie somewhere else. Kind words, words like these. Pastor Mike, I know of only two people who have ever willingly returned to Ohio. <laughs> LeBron James and you. <laughs> and then I heard a really good one this morning. Back to Ohio, where you will have to learn to sweat again. <laughs> Keep them coming. I've enjoyed them. I have been looking at a lot of maps lately. Old USGS quadrangle maps, known as topo maps. I've been looking for thin little blue lines in the highlands of western Pennsylvania. Little blue lines accessible by hiking or by just parking the car and walking 50 feet. I've already compiled a list of places with nearby streams with names like Connellsville and Bedford and Somerset, Ohio Pile. Isn't that a name? Ohio Pile. And I'm going to have fun in my retirement getting to know those little bergs all over again and their streams and the fish they hold. I'm drawing a map, but I'm going to keep it secret. I want to keep those streams and those fish to myself. But I have another map to share with you this morning, a theological map, a contour map, 
one drawn long ago by a very talented map maker, St. Luke. It's a map preserved in his gospel and also in the second part of that gospel, the book of Acts. It's a beautiful map. It's an important map because running all the way through it is a thin blue line. So let's start with Acts 2. And it's very unusual beginning, a beginning that really should go like this. When the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled. How was it fulfilled, you ask? Well, just read on through the entire chapter, chapter 2. And Luke lays it all out. He lays the fulfillment out in three parts. First part, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Part two, Peter's brave, bold Pentecost sermon. Part three, and this is where the fulfillment really reaches its climax. It's found in Luke's description of a radical new community. There, in the city of Jerusalem, a new community touched by the Spirit whose life was devoted to worship, study of the Word, shared meals, healing, even shared wealth. All of these things were the hallmark of that early community and all of these things were sure signs that the promise of Pentecost was being fulfilled. So this little community of those first Christians sat along that little blue stream, the stream of grace. Now the fulfillment of Pentecost in Jerusalem is just one point, one nice, clear, deep, rich pool on that thin blue line, the line that represents the flowing and growing stream of God's grace. The stream will continue to flow. It will move on outside of Jerusalem. God's promised river of grace will continue on and it will widen and it will grow until it comes to water Luke's known world, all of it, through the witness of the apostles and the witness of that community. The stream always flows on. Well, as smart fishermen know, you can't just stand and fish from one pool. You got to walk the water. Right, Brother Jeff? You got to walk the water. So let's move up to the headwaters. Let's move up along this river of grace. You know the contours. You know the line. We have Luke's account of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. We have his account of Jesus' own resurrection. Then when we go higher, we have his account and narrative of the crucifixion. And then even higher, we have the story of the Last Supper. And then even higher, we have the story of the triumphal entry. Jesus' journey to Jerusalem from Galilee. Jesus' ministry in Galilee. And as we go back, as we go higher, as we go higher, we come to a beautiful high mountain lake filled with gracious waters 
And that lake, that wide blue spot on the thin blue line is Jesus' first sermon. And unlike mine, that first sermon was a short one. Let me read it for you. When he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Do you hear the connections between that first sermon and Luke's account of the day of Pentecost? How they go together? Connections like the empowerment of the Spirit, the preaching of the good news of salvation, the healing of the blind, everything that Jesus announced in his first sermon, he and made a reality in and through his life and his ministry, even his death and his resurrection. Everything Jesus did is being done once again with the arrival of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now the Spirit comes upon the apostles as it came upon God's own Son, empowering Peter to deliver that sermon, empowering the apostles in their ongoing acts of healing so the blind can see, the lame walk. Empowerment by the Spirit through the words spoken, words about repentance and forgiveness, words about even things lacking on the part of the poor. Taken all together, the members of that new Jerusalem community are blessed indeed to have entered into the year of the Lord's favor. And again, knowing that this story continues on through the book of Acts, These flesh and blood teachers, healers, preachers, stewards, caregivers will continue to go on to do the very things that Jesus did. Those things announced and promised in his first sermon. They went on to become a light to the nations. But the headwaters of this stream are not really in Galilee. that thin blue line goes higher and higher and higher. It goes back to special places and times, places and times you hear about in the Old Testament. And I'm not going to trace the line in detail for you, but here are some of the wonderful pools of gracious water found on the thin blue line. the exile and the return from the exile. The anointing of Solomon and the building of the temple. 
Before that, even higher, the covenant and promises made to David. Before that, even, the entry into the promised land. Before that, the giving of the Torah at Sinai. Before that, the Passover and the exodus from Egypt. And before that, the call of Abraham. All beautiful pools along this thin blue line of God's eternal grace. Through all of Scripture, dear people, there has always been this line, this stream of water, this gin-clear stream of promise, these holy waters of life and grace. And wherever you happen to stop along the stream and drink, know that you will be drinking in God's life-giving water. Life-sustaining water. Water that will never run dry. You see, the water in that thin blue stream is always the same. It's always the same. All of it flows from the deep spring of God's love. The call of Abraham is the same as the call of the disciples. The day of Christ's crucifixion is the same water of the Passover. The giving of the law at Sinai is the same as the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Always and everywhere this river flows, there is life. There is life. And always and everywhere where the water moves and rises and falls, People have always been stepping into it and they have been changed and they have been lifted up and carried to a better place, to the place Jesus says is the place of the Lord's favor or what the Torah calls the Sabbath of all Sabbaths, the mother of all Sabbaths, the year of Jubilee. And if you don't know about the year of Jubilee, you need to read Leviticus chapter 20. The Jubilee is indeed about God's favor and love for us. And in the Jubilee, we will be home. We will have arrived. We will be sharing with God in this eternal Sabbath. All the broken pieces of our lives and hearts will be healed. All our burdens will be cast aside. Everything that we once lacked, we will have in abundance. But this jubilee is not just a hope. It's not just something we anticipate. Jubilee is not just a destination. It is, you see, a way of life. Dear people, God's greatest miracle, God's greatest gift to you and me is that we were made in his very image. And we were made, informed, and blessed to become that very water, that river. We are the Jubilee. We are the river whenever and wherever we speak words of forgiveness. 
We are the Jubilee. We are the water in the river whenever and wherever we fill empty bellies. We are the Jubilee. We are the river whenever and wherever our hands reach out to heal. We are the Jubilee and we are the river whenever and wherever we clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned, feed the hungry. We are the Jubilee and we are the river whenever and wherever we speak the liberating words of God's truth. We have been graced, dear people, not just to drink from the river, not just to splash and play in the river, not just to draw fish from the river. We are called to be the water for those who are desperate to taste the refreshing waters of life and the waters of Jubilee. Now, if you think I'm stretching this entire and whole biblical narrative and not properly drawing this thin blue line, I've got one more map for you. One more stream to trace. In 1954, Gurney and Robert Payton, a childless couple, heard through a neighbor who was a nurse at a local hospital. There's a newborn infant that might be up for adoption. And so they told Gurney's sister, and that sister and her husband came to Hagerstown and looked at that little tiny infant and said, we want him. And they took him home. And he became part of the family of Carl and Edna Easton, along with his older brother, Carl Jr. In 1954, I got lucky. Just a few years later, that little child was carried into Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Frederick, Maryland, where he was baptized and first touched by these waters. And there in that wonderful congregation, he got lucky again. And then the family moved on to Northern Virginia. And that little boy became a member of Emanuel Lutheran Church. And he stayed in that church until he graduated from high school. He was confirmed there. He got lucky in that place. Very lucky. And then he went off for college to the Ozarks to Springfield, Missouri. He was all on his own and dirt poor. But a pastor and his wife took him in, Vince and Uni Will of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Springfield, Missouri, and he got lucky there, lucky. And then he went on to become a student at the best Lutheran seminary at the time in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and he got lucky because he had to listen to and read from Robert Jensen and Eric Gritch. He got lucky. And then he went on to Peace Lutheran Church in Gehanna, Ohio to, to be an intern there for a year under the watchful, loving eye of Pastor Dwight Hedrick. And that's where he met and fell in love with a newly minted social studies teacher named Debbie. 
and they were married there in that church and he was very, very, very lucky. And then he moved to Richmond, Virginia with Debbie. Their new daughters were baptized at Christ the King Lutheran Church. He was ordained at the Lutheran Church of Our Savior, both in Richmond, and those years were lucky years. And then off to a first call at St. John's Lutheran Church in Piqua, Ohio. Maybe not so lucky. <laughs> then on to Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Inglewood, Ohio. And yes, he was lucky there. Then on to Springboro Lutheran Church in Springboro, Ohio. Again, as an interim pastor, and he was lucky there. And then Messiah Lutheran Church in Urbana, Ohio, and the luck continued. And then he was offered an opportunity to come and serve as an interim pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church at 10,000 Spain Road Northeast, Albuquerque, 87111. And he got very very, very, very lucky yet again. Norman McLean, in his book, his novel, autobiographical, autobiographical novel, A River Runs Through It, wrote this. Eventually all things merge into one and a river runs through it. The river was cut by the world's greatest flood and runs over rocks from the basement of time. On some of those rocks are timeless raindrops. Under the rocks are the words, and some of the words are theirs. I am haunted by water. To his words, I add my own. And on the heart of this one rock are these words. I have always been and will always be haunted and healed by the waters of God's grace. And every drop of grace that has fallen on me has always carried a name. Always the name of another child of God. Names like Vince and Uni, Emil, Rick, and I could go on. Every drop has gently and lovingly shaped me that I too might bear the image of God. Debbie and I are sad today, very sad, but also thankful. We are sad to be leaving this wonderful jubilee kind of congregation. For 14 years, you have been a jubilee for Debbie and I. 
Here we have been touched by so many loving raindrops. We have indeed been blessed and changed by you. And both of us will always carry your names and blessed memories here in our heart. The name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.